are recording, and you can go ahead and uh, you have to press play whenever you're ready. Well, we have to go back to the beginning. It is. I, it is. I moved it back. Yeah, all you have to do okay. is hit the button on the bottom, the space bar. Okay, so... Just hit the space bar, the button on the bottom. Space bar. Space bar. Space bar, right, right here. That's the space bar. Sorry. That's a button. <laughs> it's not back at the beginning. Now it is. <laughs> Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome back to Crypticast, episode four, pre-production, or holy shit, what did we get ourselves into? I think it helps to be a little bit non-campus mentis when you are in the pre-production and or production phases, and the first thing that you need to do, uh, or the first thing that will be driving you crazy, will be how am I going to fund my project? And that's a question that we had to ask ourselves long before the birth of crowdfunding. Uh, when we first started our project, uh, Kickstarter didn't even exist. Um, there were no sources for, for income or revenue, or I shouldn't use the term revenue or income, for funding for a film project. There was, oh, for an art project, period. I mean, there were ways to get grants and so forth. Film grants, but of course we didn't qualify for any of that because the film grant would be for Canadian filmmakers from the Canadian Film Association. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, the Smithsonian is, is, is looking for filmmakers who will do a documentary on artwork. But to find a funding for a third-person or even a first-person narrative original feature uh, was, was impossible. And so we ended up doing what most filmmakers do, what, what say, Ed Sanchez did with the Blair Witch Project, what Oren Paley did with Paranormal Activity, Kevin and that Smith is... Kevin Smith did with Clerks. Or Kevin Smith did with Clerks. We had to fund it ourselves. By the way, this whole podcast was Kevin Smith's idea. So if it sucks, complain to Kevin. No, 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 no. No, we love Kevin Smith. Don't say anything else. Actually, uh, the, the, some of this is true. Uh, Chris had the opportunity. We'll have to, in our liner notes, we'll have to put the picture of you and Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith was hosting an event in... um, It was a screening. Screening of a a new film that I think he had done with uh, Jason Mewes in Pittsburgh at the Oaks Theater, which is walking distance from my house. And it's actually a theater that we filmed part of our movie in, Mortal Remains. And uh, they were doing what he calls a smodcast. And uh, there was a line on either side, you know, either aisle, you could get up and ask questions. And so I went up to the microphone and I asked Kevin, uh, who we had worked together on Dogma, so I sort of reintroduced myself and um, just said, what, what can you do these days? What can a filmmaker do to, to be seen? Because, you know, at that point we had finished our film and we were trying to get into people's ears. Nobody was biting because it's just, it was one more little voice in the crowd. And he said, uh, well, you know, the thing now is to do a podcast. It's free. You can make it as long as you want. Talk about whatever you want. There's no. You don't have to pass any any criteria to get onto one. You can make it about whatever you want to, and uh, you make it as long as you want. And so here we are. But uh, you know we are doing it with an aim to helping other independent filmmakers because uh, it's a it's a valuable way to express yourself. It's still a valid medium, regardless of what Hollywood is cranking out right now, which is you know the same kind of sausages they've been doing for twenty years. You know, but we have things, stories we want to tell, and it's... Uh, that you may find helpful. Yeah. That we hope you find helpful. And namely being, one of the biggest complaints I get from, from indie filmmakers who contact me looking for advice, guidance, and what have you, is 
I need funding. Where can I find funding? And there are a variety of options out there. We're going to be talking about them in this podcast. The first and foremost of which is Kickstarter um, or any of the crowd uh, funding sources that are out there. There's Indiegogo. And there, there, are, there are a variety of, of, of these crowd uh, funding, crowdsourcing. GoFundMe. Uh, uh, GoFundMe and so yeah. forth. Online funding options for, for independent filmmakers. But I, I want to say this. I know a lot of filmmakers that will do a crowdfunding they won't make a dime, and they'll give up. That'll be it. Yeah. That's the end of it. I guess, well, nobody's interested in my film, but well, bullshit, you are. Or you wouldn't have gotten as far as creating a Kickstarter page and maybe a trailer to go with that Kickstarter, uh, Kickstarter page in order to be, you know, get yourself exposed to potential funders. And so it's, it's, it's an excuse for you to say, I, there just aren't any options for me. Chris and I encountered the exact same thing, and yet we've, we got our film produced. Uh, now, we had to fund it ourselves, and part of the reason, as we've mentioned in our previous podcast, we mentioned that the film took five years, four years of production, and another fifth year of editing, uh, of post-production, to make. Five, four years of production. And the reason, the true reason behind that was we were funding it. I, I was funding the, the project. I believed in Chris's script. I believed in the idea. I believed that we had something. I was excited about it. I wanted to go ahead and, and we had this monkey on our back that we hadn't yet completed a feature even though we had started. We're going to do this. We're going to get it done. And we kept kicking ourselves in the ass. But the reality of it was the money wasn't there all at once. It wasn't like some bank said, oh, here's your loan and we'll wait for the return. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the cash. I was funding this out of pocket, which meant when I got $1,000 in the bank account for Cryptic Pictures, then we went ahead and... And shot a thousand dollars worth of footage. Yeah, for a weekend. But you know we I mean? we squeezed by virtue of that. Uh, we squeezed as much production value out of that thousand dollars as we could. And as we mentioned in the last episode, nobody that worked on crypt on uh, Immortal Remains uh, got paid. None of the actors. We didn't get paid anything. Obviously, we were done. just paying for the production and for props and the occasional you know special effect. So nobody got paid. It was a, truly a labor of love. And uh, and God bless you to the cast and crew that helped out. Yeah, thank, thank you thank so you much to everyone. Much. Uh, you know, we hope someday to get you back for Mortal Remains 2 and also to pay you for working on Mortal Remains 2. And we, you know, that's our dream is to keep making movies. Like the man said, if you do what you love you for a living, you never work a day in your life. But so uh, that's the trick because, like I said, don't go into this expecting it to become a career uh, because it's very hard to make money that way anymore. Part of this podcast is to kind of give you folks uh, tips uh, and, and, and tricks of the trade. And here, here's one that I want to share. There's a big reason why the Securities and Exchange Commission lets crowdfunding function without much regulation. It's, and it's because investors are making a donation, but for that donation, they are receiving a gift. And so... I want to recommend something to all of you guys who are reaching out to family and friends privately and and or a funding source. We had a gentleman in, in Pittsburgh. I don't know if we should mention his name or not, but he was a wonderful funder for us. And we would send him gifts as a thank you, whether it be a t-shirt or a poster or something like that, because the Securities and Exchange Commission looks at a donation with a gift in return 
as sort of an exchange of merchandise, mm-hmm. almost like you were going to somebody's merch page on their website and purchasing something. And you avoid a lot of legal paperwork when you get investors to invest in your film. And, I, and I'm talking small-time investors. I'm not talking somebody that drops you a million dollars and you send them a T-shirt. <laughs> By the way, if you find somebody with a million dollars interested in investing in your project, contact yeah, us. Yeah, crypticpictures.com. <laughs> send us an email. But, but the, the point being is there are little tricks like this that you can kind of get around. So this guy would send us, one time he sent us $500 or 1000 bucks so that we could do a screening in New York City, which we'll talk about it in a later uh, in a later episode. But... Uh, we would send him stuff, and what it does, it, it, it keeps questions from the Securities and Exchange Commission when you finally do get to the point where you're doing your taxes for your company, which reminds me, we should probably mention that our, our next our next episode is going to be about branding a company. A lot of people are going to think that because we're talking about pre-production now, that, we were, that we're going to be talking about production next. We're actually talking about branding a company which comes before production, protecting yourself legally. But... But I found it interesting when I discovered this this uh, securities and exchange caveat uh, that you can avoid a lot of, of legal paperwork uh, by giving your investors a gift similar to what one does on Kickstarter or Indiegogo or GoFundMe or any of these uh, crowdfunding um, options. It, it'll save you a big SEC headache if you were ever to be audited. But as, we, as we've mentioned before, uh, Blair Witch and, and Paranormal, Blair Witch Project, Paranormal Activity, Two of the top-grossing films of all time, and based clerks. on return of investment, and, and clerks. clerks. Well, Clerks. I don't, know if, I don't know if it ranks as, as the top-grossing film of all time. No, no, no. But it was certainly a successful indie film. And again, these were all funded by, by credit card. You know, you you buy your equipment on a card, so you're you're sort of extending yourself in the hope that you'll be able to pay these things back. And in, in some instances, you were lucky enough to be able to do so. Uh, certainly, Blair Witch. Certainly, uh, Clerks. And and there are there are successes in the realm of of Kickstarter. And I'm not talking about, uh, what's his name? Who everybody was complaining about. He made a Kickstarter campaign. Who the actor? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Bra- uh, Brad Brack. What was his name? It started his with name? a B. Zach Braff. Uh, Zach Braff. There, there was Brack a B in there. Zach Zach. Zach Braff. Who is an established actor and is now asking the public to give him money to make a movie. To make a movie, yeah. uh, which is fine. Hey, look, if fans want to go ahead and support that, that you know, by all means, there are a lot of established filmmakers that did it. They can't stand it. They can't stand it because... Did somebody else did it because, after that, like Spike Lee or somebody, and people were complaining. Yeah, well, a lot of, a lot of these guys don't realize that... Uh, they're used to having the, 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 the executive producers knocking on their door every day going, is my film on schedule? Are you going to hit the deadlines? Yeah. What they're not used to is the fan base going, when is the film going to be released? And you're getting emails constantly because if you don't update, you've got to respond to these people. You've yeah. got to keep your fan base happy. On Kickstarter is what I'm referring to specifically. There was a filmmaker who recently did, oh man, I, I, now I can't remember who it was, but he did an, an, an animated film. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he was complaining that he'd never do it again. He couldn't stand the harassment that he received from the fan base. He said it's because they have a sense of ownership because mm-hmm. they funded. Well, they do. They yeah. do. They helped you. I'm funding your production. Your where's the movie? I want to see where's it. Where's the project? Where? What's the update? Where's my t-shirt? You know I mean? yeah. Where's the t-shirt? Um, and so, yeah, you know, it, I think a lot of uh, uh, the larger Hollywood names aren't finding crowdfunding is there. They're, they'd rather go to the Hollywood banks and 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 get their funding, but. One success story is a gentleman, uh, one, one Kickstarter success story, for those of you that are out there saying it never works, crowdfunding never works, I've gone and I, I can't make a dime. And we experienced this similarly. because once Not you, with production of the film, but it was afterwards we wanted to screen the film overseas. 
and uh, we had an experiment that sort of backfired. It didn't right. backfire, just didn't work. But it was a you know a useful uh, experiment, a useful thing to try. And so we know uh, again not to try it in the future. But uh, but a success story for for Kickstarter would be Trey Edwards Schultz, who's who had a directorial uh, debut, a film called Krisha, uh, which received the Grand Jury Award and the Audience Award in the Narrative Feature Competition at the South by Southwest Film Festival, which is big time, and then found its way to the 2015 Cannes. Uh, uh, is it Con? It's Cannes Film Con. Festival. Con. Forgive me. That movie was made on a budget of under fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars, all of which he raised on Kickstarter. And who do you think honestly funded the majority of that project? It was his friends and family, people that Schultz knew, or friends of friends within an arm's length that were happy to help out with his project. But this guy made a film, an independent film based on a short that he had done years before, so he sort of had a, a trailer of, of, in essence, to pitch to people. But this is a guy who made a, a, an indie film for under 15 grand, and it made its way to two major festivals, one in the U.S., one overseas. So if you're thinking, I need to get onto crowdfunding, I, I, I need to be on Kickstarter, I need to make you know, half a million dollars in order to make the film of my dreams... Get over yourself, folks. We're indie filmmakers. We're struggling to put, you know, rub two uh, pennies together in hopes that they, they turn into a nickel somehow. Yeah. You know, you, you, you can't let that be a hindrance to you finishing the project. you gotta, you got to buckle down, and you've got to get creative economically. Work with what you got. Work with what you got. And make it work. We didn't have friends and family that were, you know, everybody looked, our friends and family looked at us almost like, like, are, are, are like anybody else that we approached about funding our film, and I'm talking about our feature, Mortal Remains, they'd be like, well, what have you guys done? Well, unfortunately, nothing, but we're very eager to get this film right. completed. Well, who are you? You guys are nobodies that have nothing under your belt. That's right, but um, we're dedicated, and we want to finish this feature film. And we did. We did, and it was, you know, again, through Mark putting up his own money whenever he had a little extra income. And it took us, again, three, four years to finally put it together. But it is possible, and if you watch our film, you'll see. Okay, it's you know because we didn't have a budget. We shot it as a, as you know first person found footage, which is you know a, as a it's a convention as a cinematic convention. It's kind of wearing thin uh, because it's been done to death. Uh, some ways very successfully, some ways not. Uh, but you know because of our restrictions, we had to work within that format, and so we found a way to make it work, and we found ways to justify you know why is the camera on. Uh, why are we filming this particular conversation? You know, some films don't even bother with that anymore. They'll just roll. And uh, it's it's found tricky. footage films. It's tri- found yeah, footage yeah. films. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, it's tricky. The, the, but you can do it. You can do it. Even if you have to shoot, you know, one shot a week. You know, get one actor in one location and shoot that footage and put it together over the course of you know ten years. You can always finish your project if you're determined to do so. We are primarily focusing on funding because, like I said before, in this particular podcast, because we've already talked about the screenwriting process and the origination of an idea. The reason we're focusing on funding in this podcast is because that's, like I said before, the biggest question that I get from from filmmakers. And oftentimes, the first question that I'll ask them is, hey, have you done any online research? Where do you live? Do you have a state film commission? If you're overseas, is there a, a, a film commission within your country? 
within your region because you can do so much research online and come across some very interesting finds with regards to funding your film. And I wanted to give you a, a few examples here. One such example is uh, Vimeo's new Share the Screen initiative, which is a project designed to help you know, close the gender gap that is pervasive in the entertainment industry. Oh my God, I'm, the conversation is, is ongoing. Um, I don't know if Hollywood's made any steps and you know, last year it was there aren't enough actors of color, there aren't enough female performers, even though they have an entire category dedicated to best actress and best supporting actress. But um, there aren't enough female directors and so forth. And so Vimeo is trying to close that 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 gender gap that the industry is suffering from, and they're trying to foster some sort of equality by investing in female-led programming uh, that you know spotlight and support female voices in the within the, the online community, within the Vimeo community particularly. But there's an indie horror film right now called, uh, was it Double X, that uh, Jovanka Vukovic, uh, who used to, she was the publisher of Rue Morgue, the editor-in-chief of Rue Morgue magazine. And it's a it's an anthology film, it's uh, sh- horror films, uh, all, all made by female uh, wow. directors. And it's getting a lot of good buzz right now. That's great. Yeah. That is great. So that's, you know, they're taking steps in that right direction, even from the grassroots level, from the, you know, within the genre. And that's where it starts. I yeah. mean, that's where it starts. You know, I remember, I'm, I'm, now I'm going to date our, I'm going to date us. I remember, you know, in the 80s with the whole cocaine issue, the whole drug problem in the, in the country, and they began there, or, or uh, students against drunk driving mm-hmm. and so forth. And, you know, these initiatives now, I, I, you know, I oftentimes will go in and do workshops, film workshops with high school students and, and, Drugs isn't the pervasive issue. It's <laughs> it's it's online uh, uh, porn and bullying and, and all this other stuff. But the initiatives that they started years and years ago at a very elementary level paid mm-hmm. off, um, and it's no different now. I mean, I, I certainly hope that that Hollywood does eventually find an, an and, equal base. And not only Hollywood, for... but indie filmmakers. We all have to stick together. We all have to help each other. Uh, you know, get our features off the ground, and that's why you know we are here to certainly help. Like I said, if you have any questions or or, or you just want to know how we did something, uh, feel free to shoot us a tweet at, at Cryptic Pictures on Twitter, or uh, you know CrypticPictures.com. You can email either Mark or myself, and we will be happy to help you. And don't let that necessarily be an excuse for being unresourceful. Um, one of the first things I will do is you know spend hours k-holing online trying to find. Uh, Doing what? K-holing. What is that? When you K-hole. You're not, you're not familiar with this term? Never heard it. No, seriously. Sounds, sounds dirty. <laughs> well, you can K-hole porn. <laughs> Absolutely. So K-holing is where you get online and you read an article and then you go to the comments section and somebody's posted another article and you click on that article to read that article and it goes even in more depth. Is that they call it K-holing? And K-hole. You K-hole your way into... And then before you know it, you've spent hours online. Oh, yeah. And you're knee-deep in a subject that you didn't have any interest in necessarily, but that you find you know fascinating. Huh. Um, so in any case, if I get if I get an email uh, or a phone, I usually get emails, not phone calls from from foreign uh, entities. But uh, I once got a, a call from somebody from the UK who was like, you know, I'm trying, to, I'm interested in 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 trying to find something other than crowdfunding. What options are out there for UK filmmakers? And I I did some research and found the filmmakerfund.com, which is in which is in the United States. But I also found one called the UK Film Fund. There are tons of of public and private funds out there designed to help filmmakers, uh, independent filmmakers particularly. These are not sources for for major motion pictures, but they're also not sources of of grand funding. You're not going to be finding, 
you know, $5 million in, in funding from these sources. That's, those are from private sources or from banks where you get your loan and you intend and hope to be able to pay that loan off. But um, these, funding, these funding options are for the filmmaking process. So they're, they're, for example, I've had somebody contact me and say, my, my film is almost done. I need finishing funds. Then, then you find something like the UK Film Fund or the Filmmaker Fund, which has a specific department designed to help people f- locate finishing funds for their project. And so we all need funding at different stages. It, I oftentimes find it easier to find funding once you have something in the can to kind of show investors. But I mean, talk talk about the the, the funder that that you that we located. I, can we name him? From you know, he walks into Chris's shop in 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 well, Pittsburgh, I work, I work and in he Pittsburgh. gives us money only because he loves he loves you. He's I, just well, he's like I, I like this guy. I love this guy, and I have to I have to give him a shout out. I won't mention his last name, but his name is Dan. He has since passed away, and God bless his soul. Dan never saw our movie before he died. I'm very sorry uh, that that was the case. But, you know, a couple of times he just put up money. He had, because he was a big fan of sci-fi and horror movies and he read, read a lot of fiction. Has a huge book collection that now his brother is trying to to uh, sell off. Yeah. Oh, I saw it. And, um, I mean, a lot of first editions and autograph stuff, but oh, just right. a fantastic, a really good, a good guy. And he had some money because he's in the oil business. And uh, he had faith in us and in our production, even though he hadn't seen it, he... He liked me, and he liked what I told him about about Mark, and so he funded our our screenings in uh, in New York, New York, and LA, LA, yeah, and uh, just through the goodness of his heart, the generosity um, of of that man, and he he that's you know you find angels like that every now and And, again. Never asked for a dime back, no matter what we did. Just said, make sure that you mention my company name, and uh, that's it. You know, I mean, God love him. Um, but I mean, he was an angel donor. He yeah. really was, and um, they're out there. But but he would never have known that that Chris was even a filmmaker had Chris not talked about our film and the fact that he was a filmmaker. And some of what happens in the pre-production phase phases, you need to begin viewing yourself as a filmmaker. I don't care what you do for your day job. But you need to start, you know. And we're going to be talking about branding a company and how important business cards are, and talking, referring to yourself as a filmmaker. But it was through com- simple conversation that this guy ended up, you know what I mean, uh, funding our project. It wasn't that we went to this guy's door, knocked, sat down, and had an investors meeting. So there is, there are, there's money out there. Well, let's not confuse the issue. He funded the screenings. You screenings. funded the project. I, I guess. Yeah, I guess we should say that. Um, so, <clears throat> and we should we should mention here that uh, you know not only did Mark fund the project, he had you know about six thousand dollars. Seven thousand uh, total was our in, final in the bank. That was our total budget. But to start with, we had a couple of thousand. And the first thing we said was, well, we need to buy a camera. And so we settled down to buy, uh, or Mark actually did the, the legwork. He went to buy a camera, a decent Sony. What was it? Oodle.com. He went to Oodle.com <laughs> and found this Sony camera that was like a three thousand dollar camera for listed for eighteen hundred bucks. And to oh make gosh, a, it was actually a seven thousand dollar camera. Was it? When it originally came out, it was one of the original. Uh, uh, it was a JVC GYU one hundred. It was a GYU one hundred. Uh, one of the first films that did twenty four. It was 24. JVC. It wasn't JVC, a Sony. No, uh, no, it was a JVC. Huh. One of the first uh, films that shot in twenty four p. Okay. Yeah, we wanted because we wanted to shoot in twenty four p, so it would look like film, uh, which we ended up, I think, not doing for most of our production. For funnel. most of the production, yeah, yeah. because we had a problem with the editing software that couldn't deal with twenty four p at that time. But uh, the first. Our first adventure on Mortal Remains was that uh, Mark bought this camera online, sent money via Western Union to somebody in Miami, Miami, and then 
that was it. We never saw that money again or the camera. And, uh, of course, Mark found out later that, you know, sending money Western Union to somebody you don't uh, know is pretty The warnings were risky. all over the emails I was sent by Western Union. Don't do this. Don't do this. But we were in, at that point, we were in such a rush yeah. to get production started that I wasn't thinking straight. And to his credit, <laughs> undaunted, having lost almost $2,000 on uh, a scam. We lost a, a, quarter, a third of our budget. A quarter of our budget. Yeah. A quarter of our budget. Down the two Having, having lost that money weeks. immediately, Mark again went online and did find a camera and did buy a camera. Uh, again, for another, how much was that one? That one was about twenty two hundred. Twenty two. Yeah. That that was most of our budget was spent getting ripped off and buying another camera. <laughs> uh, so now we had you know what a couple of thousand dollars left to actually make the film. But at least we finally got the camera. And so you know every step is a learning process. You know people shit on your head and you wipe it off and keep going. And but, you can't. Uh, you can't. Yeah, you can't let these hurdles. You just can't let them stop you, folks. Yeah, and it's, you've got to keep going. You know, I, I think of a great book, uh, Robert Rodriguez's "Rebel Without a Crew," which is an, a very inspiring book for young amateur filmmakers. Yeah, or indie, even indie filmmakers. It's a brilliant book. You have to read it. Uh, even though, again, he was still shooting on on film. Or no, was he shooting on VHS? I think he finally shot on VHS. The original was VHS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was El shooting, Mariachi is what Chris is shooting and editing on VHS. El Mariachi. At the time, it was just him and one friend that he was filming in, uh, you know, his hometown in Mexico. And the book is brilliant. I mean, if Robert Rodriguez now, today, from what I understand, he bears no relation to the guy who wrote that book. Because now he's a superstar. He's ma- he can make any movie he wants. Uh, you know, he made a fortune with the Spy Kids movies. Uh, he's become sort of a cinematic icon. But uh, the young filmmaker who wrote that book, the young Robert Rodriguez... He's full of just positive advice. He says, don't give up. If you're a filmmaker, call yourself a filmmaker. You know, go make a film. There's nothing stopping you. Never lose sight of what, yeah, what, what your intended goal is. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Robert, if you're listening out there. We, we honestly, and I keep repeating this, but I repeat this so that it, it will sink into our, our listeners. We had everything working against us from, from week two, uh, from day one, really. Uh, the minute, you know, Sony basically said, yeah, make it. And then just send it to us when you're done. We'll buy it from you, and then we'll we'll make a dime. I, as the writer, caused no end of headaches for my poor producer, Mark, (laughs) because I kept insisting, no, we can't change it to Baltimore. It's got to be some blah, blah, blah. And I had my reasons, and Mark said, well, here's what we have to work with. Make it work. And so a combination of me fighting to keep the integrity of the story intact and Mark fighting for uh, working with what we had to work with, that it ended up working. And, you know, because we've known each other for so long, it, it was just, you know, we're like family. So it ended up coming together in the end, and we're both satisfied with the result. And you can be satisfied with your film, too. Don't ever give up. Time, money were things we were not afforded. We weren't afforded anything, really. But we kept on, and that's the most important lesson at this stage of the process. Pre-production is where a lot of films will... I have so, I've seen and talked to so many independent filmmakers who never got through the pre-production phase. It's like they dream of how fun the movie would be to make... But they don't want to go through the hardship of actually making it. And, and this key aspect of the funding game. I, investors actually don't invest in movies. And I think this is our final lesson for this. Investors invest in filmmakers. We didn't know that at the time. Whenever we pitched to somebody, uh, it was always, hey, uh, we have this great idea for a movie. Look at this great idea we have on paper. Wow, look at, the, look at this trailer that we made for Sony Pictures. And they really liked it. And you're going to love it. And people weren't interested in the film. Great. It's a movie. I was once told by our friend over at Sony, nobody's interested until everybody's interested. Yeah. And, and it's so very, very true. Nobody 
is going to invest in a movie. What they're going to invest in is you, you the filmmaker, how passionate you are, how 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 uh, nose to the grindstone you and are, that's, how that's, committed you are. That's very very true. And also, when the movie was done, we sent a we we Mark paid to print up press kits and and sent you know samples of the. We did, we did we send the movie? We didn't send the actual movie. No, we, we just sent the yeah. press kits uh, to all these magazines and publicists. And because, you know, it said, you know, we had a press release, you know, Mortal Remains will be available for distribution, blah, blah, blah. And nobody gave a shit. Nobody mentioned it once in print, on the online. A couple of, you know, friends of ours uh, who have, you know, websites or have access to write about this kind of thing, they mentioned us and gave us some good press. But the most positive response we got was from screenings where we were present. And people spoke to and, and, and got to chat with me and, and Mark and me. And that made a hell of a difference because it was palpable. You could feel that these people wanted to connect with the filmmaker and not just get a folder of pictures in the mail. So, and this is a valuable, valuable lesson uh, that we're going to even expand on further in our next episode, episode five, which is going to be entitled Branding a Company. Uh, you've, you've got to take this necessary steps, and it's cheap. We're going to show you how to do it, to, to, to literally uh, create an LLC, create a film company so that you can protect yourself legally. But not only that, begin to promote that company you know, through the power of hype to get people to view you as a filmmaker. So that's a wrap for uh, this episode, folks. Uh, be sure to check us out in the coming months. We're only half, well, not even halfway through. We're only in episode four. We've got oh, a total of 10 episodes to go. So uh, hang in there, folks, and we'll see you in a month.